This podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Must be 21. Available in Ohio only. Void where prohibited. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Sports gaming is provided in partnership with Dayton Real Estate Ventures, LLC, DBA, Hollywood Gaming at Dayton Raceway. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in-depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. It's the Mike Francesa Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. Hello again, everybody, and welcome to the Mike Francesa Podcast. And remember, you can get it at BetRivers.com, YouTube. Uh, Spotify, Apple, all those uh, good places or wherever your podcasts are found. A lot going on. Busy time. May is always a very, very busy month. Other than October, the busiest month of the year. And uh, we got a lot going on, including the PGA, which I'll get to in a minute. Um, Later in the week, we will do some baseball with Terry Collins. So we'll check in with the uh, former Met manager and his thoughts on New York baseball and other things uh, right now. And uh, we will do the Preakness with, uh, it's not much of a Preakness, but we will do the Preakness with Brad Thomas uh, as we head towards a little deeper into the uh, racing season, the Belmont around the corner, High Oak back uh, working uh, and getting ready for the uh, Saratoga meet. We'll probably race, for those who uh, ask me about High Oak, High Oak will probably race once at Belmont, I would think, before the meet ends and then we'll get ready uh, and we'll target the Jim Dandy in late July and then the Travers in late August. That's the plan for High Oak as we still uh, have big expectations. Casa Creed will go in the uh, Jiper, which he won last year in an incredibly impression and in, in, in impressive fashion. Uh, uh, and Mott has speaker's corner ready for the uh, Met Mile, and right now I think that he, he's the best horse in training. I, re- I think he's that good. Uh, he is a brilliant, brilliant uh, uh, animal this time, and I think I don't think there's a horse running any better anywhere in the country. Uh, so we'll get to that too. All right, right now, obviously, in New York, all attention is paid to the Rangers as they get ready for round two, and I'm not going to sit here, folks, uh, after not watching the Rangers until the postseason, and I watched every game in the Stanley Cup. But let me say this. I gave you my thoughts on the Rangers. I don't know the Canes from Kingdom Come, so I'm not going to try and match up the series. I talked to a couple of hockey folks that I trust. What they told me was what I would expect, is that the Canes are a better team than Pittsburgh, that they're faster, they're tougher, they're deeper, uh, and that the Rangers are going to have to be a lot better. And let's be honest, the Rangers, if they're going to survive, are going to have to be a far more consistent team in every portion of the game, especially on defense, if they're going to win this series. And to me, it would seem like they are going to have to, A, be far more consistent in terms of their defensive play, get really sterling play out of their goalie, which they didn't get at all times in round one. And they're going to need really uh, 
big efforts from Kreider and Zibanejad, which they got late in the series, which they're going to need, I would think, to get through this round. It sounds like a real tour order, because let's be honest, if Crosby hadn't gotten hurt, the Rangers aren't going to get through that series. That series changed on a dime. Uh, and when he went out, and although he came back, the Rangers still were able to overcome a, a lot of mistakes and got a lot of breaks in that series, a lot of breaks. And you can't expect to keep getting those. But you know what? Sometimes teams do have a personality and a way about them, and maybe this team has that. They do have the ability to come from behind. They don't have any panic in them. They continue to, you know, really give you the effort when they got down in the series. So I think there's some things to really like about this team. And they're young, and maybe they'll get better because they're going to have to get better. Otherwise, they're going to be out in, in the second round. That's basically what I see. And I'm not breaking any ground here because everything you see is the same, is that the Rangers have a tall order in front of them and will need big play from their best players to advance. Uh, and hopefully they will get that. Second major, PGA upon us. The PGA is not the U.S. Open, it is not the Masters, but it is still a heck of a tournament, and usually on a very, very well-conceived golf course, this time Southern Hills in Tulsa. And here's the theme right now. Obviously, you have two big themes. Tigers playing, which wasn't expected. The feeling was that he would wait until the U.S. Open to come back. He's clearly feeling better. He's energized by the effort at the Masters. And now he is playing and is 65 to 1. I don't expect to see him on leaderboard. Uh, nothing he does surprise me, but I don't think he's ready to compete with these players at the top of the game right now. And the other part of this is Phil isn't here. And let me just say this about the Mickelson controversy. Phil made some colossal blunders. He delved into stuff he had no right getting involved in, and there was no way out of the stuff he got himself into, both in terms of the PGA and in terms of what's going on in Saudi life. I mean, that stuff was not going to work. He made some real blunders. He said some really stupid things. He's apologized. He has taken an enormous hit. He has lost millions upon millions upon millions of dollars in sponsors. He's not playing golf. He's not on a public stage right now. He has shut himself away from the world, which is very hard, I'm sure, for Phil to do. Because Phil has very much liked being a part of everything, including recently Twitter, which he has backed off from. He's not here this week. I don't think he felt he could handle the scrutiny. He's not ready to play, whatever. He wasn't going to defend his championship, but the fact that he's not here to defend what was one of the unlikely titles ever won in sports, you know what? It does take away from the PGA. The game needs Tiger. The game needs Phil. And hopefully everybody can soon forgive and forget and Phil can get past this. I'm not sure when that time is going to be. I have asked for a copy of the Mickelson book. I haven't received it yet. I expect it to be coming this week. I will read it and give you my thoughts. Supposedly there's another book coming on its tails that is going to be far more damning. So Phil's not out of the woods yet. 
as far as public scrutiny goes. Now to the tournament. The thing you would say about this tournament right now is that the best players, the guys at the top who are the real talents right now, are playing really well. You have Scheffler, who is playing as well or better than anybody in the world and deserves to be the favorite, and he is at 11-1, to 1, and I like him a lot. I think he's going to be right there, front and center. Matter of fact, he's my pick to win it. I think he's going to win another major. I think he's playing that well right now. I think he's going to be very hard to beat. Rom, always there as a fixture, always a big threat. Corey, people are very energized by his recent efforts, so now they, a lot of people are on him at 14 to 1. A lot of people on Speeth at 14 to 1. And then you have the usual suspects, those young players who are doing really well right now who are always a threat. Murakawa, Cantley, Shoffley, Zalatoris, Neiman, all those guys. Kepka, believe it or not, is 40 to 1. I would usually jump on Kepka at 40 to 1. It wouldn't even take me two seconds to do that. I don't like, number one, the way he's playing right now. And I don't like his take right now on golf. It seems to me like he's kind of put golf on the back burner. You can't do that. Even he can't do that. Despite his prowess in the majors. So I got to be honest with you. I don't know if he's completely committed at this time physically or where he is in his life. Now, guys go in and out. Rory got very satisfied for a while. Maybe Kepka's getting very satisfied right now. He's very satisfied. He has a right to be satisfied with what he's accomplished the last couple of years. He really does. But I, right now, would usually consider that an automatic play. Kepka at 40 to 1. But right now, I wouldn't touch it because I just don't think he right now is committed to the game the way he needs to be. So I will go with Scheffler at 11 to 1. Yes, I'm saying back to back majors. I just think he's playing that well. I expect some I expect Speed to play well. I even expect Rory to play well, although I'm not a Rory guy. I like two other guys that I have my eye on. Murakawa at 14 to 1 and Zelatoris at 35 to 1. My long shot Zelatoris at 35 to 1. And I like Morikawa. I'll give a li- I'll put a little bit on him at 14 to 1. And I will take uh, Scheffler, the 11 to 1 favorite, uh, to win at Southern Hills. The Yankees and the Mets right now. Uh, the Yankees beating up on the Orioles. Listen. I think one of the things the Yankees are going to have to deal with is they can't trust Chapman anymore. That's not going to change. And listen, the Yankees are building an incredible regular season. We know that. They're at 27-9. and 
They continue to just win. Amazingly, they've only opened up a five-and-a-half game lead because Tampa's sitting right there like they usually are, playing 600 baseball. And you know they're going to be heard from this summer. There are some things about the Yankees that still bother me, but at the top of the list is I don't trust Chapman. I really don't. And I don't think I'll ever get to a point where I really trust him again. And when he goes into the postseason and he's their guy, I really won't trust him. And remember, this is about getting to the World Series, nothing short. The Yankees were going to make the postseason this year. They're going to win 100 games now most likely unless something falls apart. And this year, you would have figured a bad year would have been 90 wins. A good year is 100 wins. They might exceed 100 wins. They're off and flying right now. They're building themselves a heck of a foundation to this season. But it's going to be about the postseason, and a big part of that's going to be Chapman. As far as the Mets are concerned, they're sitting here. They continue to win games. But as they continue to win games, at this point, before they get ready to hit the road, Colorado, the Giants, go west, at 24 and 14, they have a bigger lead than the Yankees have. The biggest advantage they have right now are twofold. One, They have DeGrom waiting in the wings. And the idea that you could be a team with a six-game lead that might actually be able to add the best pitcher in baseball for the second half of the season is mind-boggling. Plus, you know in the back of your mind that the Mets have the wherewithal. And not only the wherewithal, but also the conviction and the want to go out and add any peace that they need as we get into the deeper parts of this season. The Mets are going to reinforce themselves before they hit the dog days. There's no question about that. They are going to get more players. They are going to fortify the bullpen in front of Diaz. They are going to get another bat. And they need another bat because they are extremely vulnerable against left-handed pitching and their offense is meager. And I'll get to why in a second. But I get the feeling that despite the fact they have the Grom in the wings and despite the fact they have a six-game lead, at 24 and, 20, and 24 and 14, I don't get the feeling they're a very good team right now. And I know that sounds crazy, but there's a lot of things about this team that scare you. What was so impressive with the starting pitching early is starting to show a couple of cracks. They still need some depth in the bullpen, so do most teams. But what bothers you right now is the offense for this team. They are a very suspect offensive team with some very weak positions. 
They got to give Escobar some time. Believe that he can get things turned around. There's no reason to panic, but he has been anything but good. You know what? We know they're going to add a bat. They're most likely going to have to add a right-handed bat because they're most dependable offensive players without any question, have been Nimmo. He at the top of the list. I don't think there's any question he's been their best without any question. And McNeil. Alonso been good. Not great, but good. And Lindor has had a nightmare of nightmare May after a good start. We have seen him again now really hit the skids to where you have to be very, very worried about his offensive production and his overall play and wonder whether you're ever going to see that player that you expected to see and that you paid. I don't want to give Lindor that money. You know that. That's me. It looked like he was going to get off to a very fast start and maybe have that big year. And now he has really hit the skids. And they are a team right now that is extremely limited in their offensive production, especially against left-handed pitching. They can get by that right now. And again, remember, with the Yankees thought, the Mets have a bigger lead in their division than the Yankees do. So they have a nice cushion. And they have, hopefully, waiting in the wings, the best pitcher in baseball for the second half of the season who will be rested and motivated and looking to join Scherzer in a one-two top-of-the-rotation attack that no one can touch. Scherzer is not only a great pitcher, he's a great leader. He's a great influence. He is everything you could have hoped to get and more. He has the makeup that you want in a pitcher in every single way. But this team, which has had a wonderful start, which until the last series had won every series this year, which is a remarkable thing to open the season with. And knows, it's no secret if you're a med follower, that they haven't played great baseball or impressive baseball in the last couple of weeks, but they continue to get the Ws, and they continue to hold a commanding lead in a division where nobody else is playing well. But they have a lot of issues they have to answer. Whether you're talking about Escobar, whether you're talking about the catching situation, whether you're talking about Davis, whether you're talking about Lindor, whether you're talking about Smith, a lot of guys struggling. Nimmo's been their best offensive player. McNeil's been a good offensive player. Alonzo's knocked in a lot of runs. No one else has been impressive offensively. 
the starting pitching, which has been crazy good, has started to show some cracks in terms of performance and injury. But remember, there are incredible reinforcements on the way in the person of DeGrom, and you have an owner who can't wait to open up his wallet and go to town. And when you throw in a six-game lead, despite all the issues, there's nothing to worry about. Back with your emails after this. Want to email the Mike Francesa podcast? Drop Mike a note at mikefrancesapodcast at gmail.com. All right. Again, we ask you if you want to send us some questions, some comments, whatever. Podcast at gmail.com. That's the Podcast at gmail.com. Mike in New Haven. Oh, my, the, uh, Mike in New Haven, who I haven't heard from in a long time. Once in a while, he actually has my uh, my text phone number, you know, so he sends me some texts from time and again. I read them. I don't usually respond to them, but I do read them. Um, this is Mike. Briefly on the Yankees. It goes without saying that it's been a terrific start, uh, of course. Nevertheless, even as Gallo has improved and Rizzo has held serve, the lack of balance in the lineup still concerns me. I know it may seem early, but the season moves quickly, so if you were cashman, what lefties would you personally target to further boost this team? Um... I don't see them making a whole lot of offensive changes. I don't like Gallo, and I I don't think you can play Gallo in big games. He's going to hit a home run now and again, but, I mean, his overall production at the plate is scary bad. We know that. They have to make a decision on him. Rizzo, I'm not worried about. Obviously, you know, he got off to the fast start with the home runs. His RBI total's fine. His overall productivity day in, day out hasn't been great. Judge is having an insane season. And let me stop at Judge for a second because that's going to be a big topic of conversation considering the year he's having. He's having an MVP-type season. Uh, he could wind up battling Trout for the MVP. Trout's always there. And he looks like he's going to be there again this year. Um, I would not change my stance on him in any way. And here it is. At 30 years of age, I am not going to get tied down at a contract that's going to give me four dead years at 200 or $160 million on the back end of the contract if I'm the Yankees. I will give him, if he wants, six years and I will pay him $35 million a year for the six years. I may even go a little north of that per season, but it's a six-year contract. That's it. I would probably say 220 is my max, but I would go six years, 220. And I would say, hey, if you can't live on that, then I don't understand the problem. I'm going to pay you upwards of $35 million a season. You're in New York. You're on the Yankees. You're going to be in the postseason every year. You're going to be able to uh, make plenty of money in endorsements on top of this 35 plus million you're going to make as your salary, as your base every year. I don't see how anything else is needed. If he has to have 
a 10-year contract that pays him somewhere in the 350 range or something, let him be somebody else's outfielder down the line. I am not going to take six great years or six good years with Judge and then be shackled by four years where I have a guy that I don't want to play or who's hurt and I'm paying $35 plus million a year. That's the worst thing you can wind up doing in this sport is winding up with those players. Those players kill you. They kill you. Those contracts, those Cabrera, Pulos contracts kill you. Don't get shackled with one. Six years, big pay. That's where I go with Judge. As far as a lefty bat, I am always for balancing the team. Always in every way for balancing the team. I like the Yankees to have lefties. I've screamed for them to have lefties. That's why I said at the start of the season, I desperately wanted Rizzo back. I think he's a very good influence on the team. He's good defensively, and he hits plenty of home runs. He's tailored his swing to hit and fly balls at Yankee Stadium, which you have to do whether you're right-handed or left-handed if you want to hit home runs. Alex from Piscataway, huge Mets fan, excited about the fast start, but worried about the team's complete lack of power or ability to put the ball over the wall. Uh, feels like uh, any rally requires three hits to score somebody. Uh, also, is Lindor just a toast? Is Lindor just toast at the plate, or can he turn it around? I don't know. We have seen players, great middle infielders, come to the Mets and fall apart. As a matter of fact, we saw two of the very best come to the Mets and implode. You can even throw Juan Samuel in that mix, but especially Alomar and Carlos Baega. Carlos Baega used to come to Yankee Stadium, get three hits every night, hit a double and a homer, and just tear the Yankees apart. Then he came to the Mets, and he looked like a bum. Same thing with Alomar, who was a great, not a good, but a great player. Lindor had tremendous years, but he hasn't shown any part of that. It looked like April, he looked good. See, because Lindor has physical skills and he has a lot of power. There's no question about it. You saw him tee off and hit a 430-foot home run on, was it Saturday or Sunday? I can't remember which one, but he hit it right-handed. He had a 420, 30-foot home run the other day. We know the power he has, but he has been a very inconsistent player here. He has not handled New York well. And now you're into the second season and you're wondering about that and you should keep wondering. Listen, you look at this Met team right now, there's not a lot of things to like except the fact that they have Scherzer on the mound and DeGrom coming. Diaz, for the most part, has been overpowering. I can't knock him, although I don't trust him. I can't knock him. The starting pitching has been really good, but the offense has been terrible, especially against lefties. Mets have work to do, but they have the resources to do it. And they still can add DeGrom. And adding DeGrom to Scherzer will be with a, with, a, with a division that nobody else seems to look like it can get out of their way. I mean, think about it. They have a bigger lead right now than the Yankees. Mike and Mariches. Given Tiger Woods' current physical condition, likely, likely preventing any major victory, well, that's a, quite an assumption, but let's say I'll take it for the second. Uh, do you think he can finish in the top five at least one more time in a major? Um, top five, I would say, 
It's possible. I don't expect to see him win another major. But I have to tell you, he made a quantum leap just getting around Augusta. Now, the last day you saw him get around just on fumes and applause because this has taken Tiger to a rarefied air where all is forgotten. Any of his bad behavior is forgotten, and now he is, you know, a deity uh, and on such a high level later in his career because he's heroic in his approach. And you watched him limp so badly that last day at Augusta that you felt the pain. I mean, as someone who has bad knees and bad legs, and I do, you know the pain he was in. And he gutted it out. And he's back now quicker than we thought because he wasn't supposed to play the PGA. He was going to play the U.S. Open. Now he's back here at Southern Hills. And... I have no question now that he'll finish the four rounds. Do I expect him on the leaderboard? I do not. But one of these days, he's going to pop up on the leaderboard at the Masters, uh, again, more likely than anywhere else. But he's going to pop up on a major leaderboard and thrill the world. Will he win it? Against the young players now, I doubt it. Because I think the chef, the Shefflers and Roms and, you know, uh, Players of that ilk and Cantley and all the good, great young players now have, you know, they're, they're younger, they're stronger, they're in their prime, and Tiger's not. So I don't uh, expect him to win another major, but I could see him decorating a leaderboard again. This is James. Hey, Mike, I'm sorry if I missed you talking about this, but have you watched any of the HBO series based on the Lakers Showtime era? Well, I have talked about it. I talked about it a lot, as a matter of fact. And I said, I watched the whole thing. And I said it was viciously entertaining. But if I were, I said at the time, this was like two episodes deep. If I was, if I were Pat Riley, I would have been very, very upset. If I were Jerry West, I would have been indignant. And Jerry West not only was upset, Jerry West, as you may know, filed lawsuits to try and stop the airing of the broadcast, of the telecast, and is suing the production people for defamation of character. They slaughtered West. They made him out to be a crazy, a loon. They were not good to Kareem. They were not good to... uh, I think they were good to Riles, although they just made him look geeky. It didn't really kill Riles that much. It just made him look geeky. Um, And we know he's not. Um, But they destroyed West. And, you know, the depiction of Buss was as this crazy genius type oddball businessman scientist who was the biggest horn dog in L.A. I mean, that's basically it, you know. That's what they made him out to be. But it ended with a championship. It ended with magic, you know, replacing Kareem. I remember that night very well. None of us expected the Lakers to win that game. And then Magic puts forth that insane effort, 
Wilkes added, I think, 37 or 39 points that night, and they win it without Kareem. But I'll tell you, to be honest, it was incredibly entertaining. I got to be honest. It was incredibly entertaining. Uh, Jaron in Seattle, in the spirit of the PGA Championship golf, a golf question. Javis Love, the 97 champion at Wingfoot, and Fred Couples were two of my favorite golfers during their prime. While they uh, are Hall of Famers, I would have expected both to win more majors. Do you think they underachieved? The answer is yes. I particularly go to Couples. Davis Love, to me, was a talented golfer. Fred could have been, in my mind, an all-time great. Fred lived his life the way he lived it. He wasn't a crazy practice guy. He maybe enjoyed life too much, but maybe he's got the right idea. He had a wonderful golf career. He won tournaments. He won a major at the Masters. He made a fortune. He's been incredibly popular for his entire career. He has always been a golf favorite of the players and the fans alike. So who's to say he hasn't had the career he wanted? But I would say that should he have been someone who won multiple majors, I think Fred should have won a handful of majors. But he didn't. He won one. And maybe he's happy with that. He's got to live with that. But do I think he, sh- he would? Did I expect him to win more? I did. Chris from Fairfield, what are your benchmarks and goals for the Giants this season? Um, do you think they're headed in the right direction? Uh, I'm not, I haven't analyzed the schedules yet, so I don't want to give you predictions on Giants and Jets yet. I made this comment, and I'll continue with it. I don't know. I know Gettleman was a terrible hire. I said it the day he was hired. I battled with Gettleman the entire time he was there. He basically, you know, cut me off from the Giants. Uh, I just was saying what I really believed. I thought he was a terrible hire, and I think he every day he was with the Giants, he just hurt the franchise. Can't make it any clearer than that. Don't think he's a bad guy. Just think he was inept at what he did. So I would think any move is a move up. I don't know either of the guys they put in charge of this franchise right now. I don't know either of them personally. I know their reputations. I would hope they are moving in the right direction, but I'll take a wait and see. They had a no-brainer early part of the draft, and they didn't screw it up. And I think the draft they had with what they got at the top of the draft is going to serve them very well. And this pass rusher, who comes with a ton of personality, is going to bring something to the Giants that they haven't had in a very long time. The question is, is he going to bring it on the field 
the way he's going to bring it off the field. Because off the field, he is going to really be someone to pay attention to. He's got a big personality. He's a very confident player. And he has plenty of talent. Now let's see if he can add the kind of pass rushing impetus that the Giants need. He could be a very big star and the kind of stars that Giant fans love. So that could be a very memorable draft pick if things work out right. Uh, Surab, is what you're seeing with Matt Harvey at all comparable to Doc Gooden? Well, first of all, Matt Harvey wasn't Doc Gooden. He had his moments of brilliance, but he never got to the level that Doc Gooden got to. Doc Gooden was great. He had great years. Matt had great moments and was a top prospect. To see Matt Harvey's career implode the way it has, both in terms of his lack of production on the mound and then all the issues that he's having now with drugs is extremely sad. And it just shows you how hard it is to put everything together to have the physical talent, but also have the makeup and the direction and the dedication and the discipline to get to where you want to get in professional sports. There are a lot of pitfalls, and Matt hit a bunch of them. And I just hope that he straightens his life out. Uh, Matthew from Hillsdale will be the last emailer. Do you think the Yankees need to part with Chapman? Listen. I think the Yankees should use part of this season, especially if they are going to build a very big cushion when it comes to being in the postseason and see if Chapman deserves to still be the closer. They have some other very interesting arms in their bullpen. It would be, I think, it would be very good for them if they gave a couple of them a chance at points in this season to close games and see if any of them clicks on a level where you think you can leave them as a closer, because I will be extremely concerned going to the postseason with Chapman as my last line of defense. I don't trust them even a little. Well, have Terry Collins and Brad Thomas on baseball and horse racing and everything else that'll be coming your way tomorrow. Have a good day, everybody. Thanks for listening to the Mike Francesa podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. Hey, it's Mike Miss here. What a time to be a Philly sports fan. And you can share the excitement with me each week on the Mike Missinelli podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. Listen and subscribe to the Mike Missinelli podcast today, wherever you get your podcasts.